Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Pop Culture Con, and the best place to hear your movie nerd reviews. I am Ryan. With me is... Brad. Over Upside Down, kid. And oh, Over Upside Down, kid. Less than 30 seconds. Yep. I, I know. I was hoping that since we're hearing all his toys are out, that he just pay attention to that, but that's not fun. It's And it seems that ever since he's been in school, he just is louder now. And I always have to tell him, like, dude, I'm like right here. You don't have to yell at me, <laughs> but you know, it's all right. Whatever. He's a kid. Um, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week we saw Joker. Stay tuned till the end of the episode. We will tell you if you should see the film or not and play the trailer and then spoil it. And this movie does have a lot of spoilers in it. Um, so stay tuned for that. Brad, it's only you and I this week. I know. It's weird. It's quiet. And we're at your place. I know. Because uh, Zach is out of town. So we had to move the recording studio for the for the week. Yep. And um, you can look out and see the mud all over my windows from my dogs. That's the dog snot. Yep. <laughs> and, um, oh, no, see, there's, like, footprints, and then there's, like, mud stuck on the top. That's, like, 3% of the window, though. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I cut down our 12-foot-tall, like, pine tree today. What? Why'd you take out a tree? Uh, my wife didn't want it there. She wanted it to be open. Look how open it is now. You can see the mountains. and. But now you have less oxygen. Yep. What are you going to do? I guess she wants to suffocate. Yep. But I enjoy coming up here because I don't get to see nature uh, so much from my <laughs> underground studio. <laughs> so other so than welcome. the traffic, it was be- it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, Saturdays suck coming up here. It's worse in the I ski no season. Oh, I, I, I know it is. I've, yeah. I've been skiing before, but I, I, I figured, I, you know, uh, one o'clock on a Saturday uh, and it's not ski season, I, I thought I'd be okay. But I know. I should have told you to take the canyon. Yeah. But I, I didn't see everyone getting off. Um. Soon enough, I was in the yeah. left lane, you know, because the left lanes are passing, so you <laughs> should be able to go faster, right? Well, I'll let you in on a thing. Don't get off uh, back there to US 40. 
because it takes you about a quarter of a mile from getting back on the highway. So if it's really busy and people are coming up the canyon, you're at a stop sign, you have to take a left, it'll take you forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then the back, the traffic backs up on that US 40 for about a half a mile. It sucks. Yep. You can't win. Yeah. So sometimes I actually, I, I take the canyon and I go through Central City and I go through the Central City Parkway and come out. Um, it usually shaves about 10 minutes off of it, even though you drive a lot further. Um, okay. Shh. So anyway, yep. more more traffic information for yep. the realness listeners. <laughs> yep. Just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you came here for Joker, but <laughs> stay for the traffic. Literally, <laughs> it is crazy to think, you know, I how long we've done this, how many episodes we have, and you've seen, uh, you know, I'm starting to eclipse podcasts. That's po- some podcasts that started before us, and we're way more consistent. I mean, we've never missed a week. We haven't. We'll always have one. It's, it's kind of crazy doing Film Explosion 2009 uh, last week. And yeah. Just realizing that in two years we'll be back around to like the 10th anniversary of this thing. I know. Isn't that weird? So. But hey, that's what we do. What yeah. else are we going to do? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're old. <laughs> yeah. We're old and not cool. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll just go to movies and die. I mean, the only thing this podcast has really changed is I see movies more frequently. And see movies that I would never see normally. Um, <laughs> Are you burnt out at all? No. Like, do you I'm good. feel like you're not seeing much of anything like new or inspiring? Well, so here's the thing with that is because uh, you know I talked to Corinne about this. Is I like movies so much I don't mind going to see them. And then when we do film explosions, I actually kind of take kind of a week off. Um, I don't watch too many movies at home. I'll play uh, video games. Um, like yesterday, I got Link's Awakening. Um, you know, also because. When you get older, you have so many bills, and I actually have to space out um, some of my stuff, and I can't get them on release date like I used to usually. Hmm. Um, I totally didn't pay attention to that uh, Spider-Man Far From Home came out on Tuesday, yeah. so that book's not coming home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I So the thing, too, I reserved that one, and I, I told you I do this thing where I go on the Best Buy app about 10 minutes before Best Buy opens. Mm-hmm. I buy it so they have to pull it off the shelf so I know it's not going to be all dented and fucked up. But I'm also playing dangerous because I'm so busy. So I come out on Tuesdays. I work Wednesdays. And on Thursdays, so I usually have to wait till Thursday before I can go pick it up. So there's a chance that if they pull one that's dented or messed yeah, you're, up, you're screwed, yeah. I'm screwed. Because some of them, they've last a while. Like uh, some of the Marvel movies, they're still usually you can find. But I went in to get Spider-Man. On, yeah, on th- I think she got it on Friday this week. I went in there. None of them have it. And that makes me happy because the Spider-Mans also are pretty deep into the display that they had up. So that means a lot of people are buying it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But at the same time, like, I think Homecoming, they've released twice since it came out on and like in new Steelbook editions. They so. have. Except the uh, second Homecoming Steelbook wasn't 4K. So that's the only bummer. Oh, yeah. Um, And the Steelbook for uh, Far From Home is cool. It's kind of busy. Um, yeah. All the art for Spider-Man has been like I know, messy for since Amazing Spider-Man. I know it's weird. You think they would just focus on it's like the Spidey. three three uh, Sam Raimi movies? They're like, this is the only marketing style we can do. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, actually, I think Spider-Man Two has always had the best poster. I, I really like the one where uh, there's two of them. I like it, he's holding Mary Jane in, and his eye reflectors is Doctor Octopus. And then the other one, he's like shooting his webs and his and his eyes. You can see Doc Ock. Yeah, no, those early ones were fantastic. Yeah, um, I don't know about the recent ones. They're just like, 
Yeah, I mean they're they're fine. It's just the peak one is you know they replaced um, like Iron Man on all the all the characters. <laughs> yeah. Like that was kind of like peak. Like this is too busy for yeah. Spider Man poster. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism. Even when Far From Home, I think it was their IMAX poster. Everyone was saying this is just <laughs> garbage. Yeah, I mean it'd be sweet if it just had Spidey and Mysterio on it because you really don't need everything else. Yeah, you just put a web on there with like the eyes and people know what's <laughs> yeah. what's up. Exactly. And that's why I think, you know, the Batman 89 poster is so effective. It's literally just his chest plate. Yep. That's all they needed for that summer. And they don't even put the name Batman on it. Yep. It's You saw that symbol. Yep. And then the date. And they're like, people showed up. Yep. So they could just do the Spider-Man symbol. I think people would get it. Yeah. But make it red and blue. I think you're good. Just red, black. Yeah, whatever you want. Red is, yeah, that's it. Red is a Spider-Man color. So if you make a black spider with red on it, people wouldn't be going, huh? What's yeah. coming out? Because people are so hyper aware now that, yeah, yeah. cinematically he's twenty years old. Yeah, it's like, so oh, fuck, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's go around town with you, Brad. No, he's not ready. Let's play. Uh, Corinne sent in another catching the classics with Corinne. You can actually now follow her on Twitter at catching classics. And this week she saw another anime. Grave of Fireflies, is that what it's called? Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. Here it is. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 28 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my review. This week I watched Grave of the Fireflies, which is a Studio Ghibli film that, um, I don't don't think Miyazaki was involved on it. He definitely didn't direct it. He definitely didn't write it. He might have been like a producer on it or something, but... Um, it's a very famous movie in like anime circles and I I knew going in, it was going to be depressing and it is, it is very depressing. Um, but I mean, it's a really well-made film, so, um, I might be spoiling a couple of plot points. So if you don't want to be spoiled, I'd say skip ahead about five minutes cause I'm not going to talk about this for too long, but Um, The story is about um, a brother and his younger sister trying to survive during the last days of World War II in Japan, and their mom dies in a bombing, and they go to live with a distant relative, and she kind of sort of ends up kicking them out, Um, basically just makes it super difficult for them to live there, and they just decide that they're just gonna go and live on their own in this like abandoned bomb shelter and eventually um the sister who's four she ends up dying from malnutrition and the brother ends up dying from starvation as well so um yeah i mean you know ahead of time that they already die like the first scene in the movie is you know, the first, actually the first line of the movie is the brother narrating, like, how he died, um, and then you see his death, and you see, um, him and his sister's spirits, um, kind of following the plot of the movie, like, from the other side, from, like, the afterlife, and it's, it's just this really haunting image when you see, like, a regular scene in the foreground, or in the background, and then in the foreground is this, like, reddish, you know, it's a very dark red, um, kind of dimly lit, you know, that's, like, them in the afterlife. Um, You see their equivalents in the afterlife kind of watching 
their own life in the background. And yeah, it's just really like haunting and it's overall, it's really well done. Um, I think it kind of slows down quite a bit toward the end. Um, and you kind of see like the brothers descent into, um, not madness, but just like desperation that, you know, he almost takes joy in committing these crimes. Um, but it's not like, it's not really that he takes pleasure in it, but it's more of like, you know, when he steals a bunch of kimonos during an air raid, he's like, Oh, finally, like I'll have, you know, enough money to get to feed my sister. And so it's just, yeah, it's just really sad to see him, you know, slide down into desperation to the point where he's like stealing food. And obviously you you sympathize and empathize with him, but you're also like, damn it, you know, like nobody can win. Like it's, it's horrible for everybody. You know, if he steals the food for his sister, then somebody else might go hungry. And, you know, anyway, but it's, yeah, it's really well done. And I, 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 like I said, I knew it was going to be depressing and I was like, all right, I am prepared for the tears. And I didn't cry up until the very, very end of the movie when he is burning his sister's body. And I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) Um, yeah, the music and the, it's just so well done in that scene. And you, it's, yeah. And the animation is, it's older, but it conveys like the journey that they go on, how their clothes get dirtier. They start looking more emaciated and thinner and, um, the rash on his sister's back grows during, you know, from one point to the next in the movie. And you kind of, you know, you see these little things that, that happen and, um, the effects of the fireflies are really cool. So yeah, it's really well done. Sad, depressing movie. I, I researched it after and it said that it wasn't necessarily supposed to be an anti-war film. And I'm like, wow, don't see how you can read this any way except for an anti-war film. But anyway, that's Grave of the Fireflies. Um, I will give it four out of five stars. Yeah, animation's great. Voice cast, I didn't mention the voice cast is pretty good. Um, the four-year-old Setsuko, um, she... I mean, you, she kind of gets on your nerves a little bit, but they, I think they freaking like nailed exactly how a four-year-old acts and talks and like she's, she's fidgeting, she's crying and she, you know, it's, it's like, it's perfect how well the, you know, the reactions and everything from the four-year-old are in the movie and poor Seta. He didn't, oh man, neither of these kids deserved it. So it is interesting. It's semi-autobiographical. The guy who wrote the initial short story, um, obviously he lived, but his younger sister who Setsuko is based on, um, she died from malnutrition. So fun. It's really, yeah, really depressing. Um, yeah. So four out of five stars for Grave of the Fireflies. So, um, before I get into which one I'm going to let you guys pick for part 29, I just want to give you guys a quick bit of news. This is actually the one year anniversary of the start of Catching the Classics. I started it early October last year and I've been doing it pretty much every week ever since. Like 
I know the nerds have been doing like some special episodes like the film explosion and there are a couple weeks where I think I took off, but um, overall I've been doing it pretty much every week and I've had a lot of fun with it. Thanks to the nerds for continuing to play these bits during the episode and um, yeah. So next time um, there's three movies that are falling off of Netflix. So I'm just going to watch all three of them or I'm going to try um, to fall to watch all three before they fall off Netflix. Um, but I will let you guys choose which one I talk about next. Um, and it will be either Hoosiers or Gremlins. So, yeah. But yeah, I'll watch those two and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So it's just a matter of which one do you guys want to hear about first. So, um, talk to you all with whichever one of those wins next time. And hope you had fun at your movie this week. Bye. Well, just like you, Brad... She said it was super depressing as well. Yeah. Is it is it is it nicely animated? Oh yeah, I mean it's... it doesn't seem like the kind of anime I would watch. Uh you've watched Ghibli animes, right? Yeah, but yeah. I heard this one's like super depressing. Yeah, it's I not think a... the Wind Rises is the most uh, dramatic one I've watched. Um, I mean it's not a Miyazaki one, but um, it's it, there's dead babies, so that's yeah. Uh, you watch kids be uh, impoverished and. Um, I think it's per either Korean War or post World War Two. Hmm. Um, uh, both apply. Watching an infant and their older brother just try to survive hmm. and not make it. <laughs> oh, <Bummer>. spoilers! <laughs> yeah, I think I can spoil it. She she gave the okay. Yeah, it's alright. I warning. mean, how old is that movie? Probably thirty years old. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah. Um. So thanks for calling in, Corinne. I, yeah. I think her next one's going to be Gremlins. I know we posted a, yeah, I vote a for poll Gremlins. on it. Oh, yeah. It won like 92% to 8%, which isn't surprising. Hoosiers is an okay movie, but yeah. it's not Gremlins. I haven't seen it, so I'm voting for she Gremlins. Did, I, I will give a little hint. She did uh, uh, send me some live text while she was watching it, and she couldn't believe that it was PG, and it was straight-up horror. I said, yep. Horror. Comedy, comedy horror. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it's an 80s horror where it's fun and scary at the same time. Yeah, creature horror. Yeah. Creature scares. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Cool, thanks, Ren. Yeah. Brad, are you ready now? I'm ready to go around time. All right, let's do it. Fire up the, the, the Jeep. Moped. That sounds like Excite Bike style <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> Uh, this week, the Midnight, the Esquire, October 11th and 12th is Halloween, the original Ooh. John Carpenter's first Halloween. Um, yeah, so check that out. And then the drive-in is actually from October 4th through, I think, the 10th or the 11th. Um, they have, they're premiering an indie film called 47 Hours, hmm. something about girls and cell phone horror. Um, so that's leading ahead of Joker. And something else that I forgot. Shazam. Nope. Too old. <laughs> Probably scary stories or something. Yeah. Oh no, I think it's Angel Has Fallen. Cool. Um, but the the big deal is that it's like an indie film premiere. That's awesome. Um, so not not a mainstream title for once. So probably check that out. So. And uh, next weekend I will be at Tell Your Ride Horror Show. Oh. Um, my wife. Uh, Ryan around town. Yeah, my wife really wanted to go back, and she wanted to have a weekend where it's just her and I. 
and um, so she actually suggested it. Putting your kid up for adoption? Yep. Uh, wow. No, <laughs> no, my mom's coming up and watching our kid. Um, and so, yeah, it'll just be her and I. And um, I will write articles while I'm there. And I'm there's a bunch of directors up there this year. I might see if I can get some interviews with them. Um, yeah, just do your cell phone. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. Because uh, my wife told me, too, the, that I said, yeah, I we're debating i might buy the complete pass where you can go to see any movie or they have six packs for like 70 bucks where you can see six movies and she can use it as well if i get the pass she can't use my pass she's really looking forward she said to reading <laughs> so uh i don't know it's my, my so she's she insisted on going up to tell your horror show or yep. tell your ride for the weekend yep. so she could read by herself while you watch movies well she wanted to do the horror show too she really liked it um when we were up there we okay I was like, we haven't been in seven years. Yeah, well, it's expensive to stay up there. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I got priced out pretty quick. I picked up um, four extra shifts over two weeks. To pay uh, for it? Working to pay for it, so I wouldn't have to put it on a credit card. And um, for the listeners who don't know, I, I have a job where uh, working constantly really it gets annoying. And, um, and then you get to a point where you get into a new tax bracket. And because my base is more, then they take out more for my retirement. So I ended up making like 300 extra dollars, but I worked. For working more? Yeah. Tons more. But at least I have to use a credit card for it. And she, my wife picked the Hotel Telluride, which is really expensive. Uh, the Sheridan Opera House is where they actually do the yeah. event, right? Yeah. So even the, the place we used to stay at, they had, as part of their package, you could get like a special on it it was 150 bucks a night and you're doing two nights yeah but we are doing a different one we're doing like the super fancy one mm. um so yeah and hey, then it's at least it's, it's just a one-time thing yeah and most likely well and if honestly my wife hasn't had a vacation in a really long time i have like 200 and something hours of vacation time and um i wish i didn't have to work as much <laughs> as i did but what do you do happy yeah. wife happy life <laughs> and that's what she wants to do i'd be not surprised she wanted to do like the horror show no that's cool but um i miss it that was like the most fun times i've had on the podcast it was like and it was like really right out of the gate like those oh, first yeah. three years we were just it was crazy trying all this new stuff and i'm interested to see if the guy he still runs it i'm gonna go and talk to him because there is another podcast up there this year yeah um i know but they're only doing <laughs> one night they're doing something um like yeah. trivia uh but we'll see it seems like it's gotten bigger. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Without the booth over there to watch over, like you can yeah. just float around. Yeah, and... so I'm really in... now I can really see the films um, because you know when we had the booth there, I had I think I saw I'd usually see like two or three movies, but I had a lot of requirements. One because they gave us the press passes, so I wanted them to uh, know that we would cover the event, and yeah. we did, and we had a lot of great interviews. And in fact, uh, the guys who did the battery are going to be up there this year. They have a new movie. Ooh, cool. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can get them because um, hopefully they'll remember me. I don't know. Yeah. But it's crazy. Well, we seven years ago. We haven't been there in five years. That's... Has it been five years? I thought it was 2012. I think 2014 was the last time. We s- Maybe. The the new uh, logo is cool. It's like a yeah, I guess ghost train. Oh, yeah. To hell you, we, to hell you ride. Yeah. 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 I get it. Um, but yeah, I guess... No, 2014 was Van Damme, so we didn't go. Yeah, so it was 12 and 13, so... So 13, so six years. Six years. So we'll see. But it doesn't feel like that long, but yeah, yeah, that's crazy. 
So yeah, I'll we be there. Six of them. And if I can't get interviews, I'll type up reviews of the films and post them on our website. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll do my own audio recordings and just send them to you. Yeah. Or well, do photos and just yeah. add them to the Instagram. Yeah, we'll figure out. You know, I never use Instagram. Maybe I should start. Yeah. Maybe yeah. an account for it. Yep. To make I mean, it seem like we actually go to movies. I mean, I, I, I'm the one who always does the Twitter and Facebook, so maybe someone else can take up the Instagram. <laughs> well, I do the Instagram when I can, Yeah, but it's often like, I'm at the Alamo. Again, like how many different photos can I take of the Alamo? <laughs> True. <laughs> so. Anyways. Uh, hey, movie news kind of happened this week. Here's some movie news for you. It's real news. Uh, nothing too crazy this week, except Tom Holland saves Spider-Man. Uh, they're a, a true hero. A true hero. Uh, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It, it came out that uh, that they reached a deal, Sony and Marvel, where Sony now is giving up twenty five percent stake in the film, but Marvel is putting up twenty five percent of uh, the cost of the film, and Disney Marvel still gets all the merchandise. <laughs> Um, but if you're Sony too, so if you're, I mean, you're still making, um, a billion dollars cause you're going to, it's going to cost you probably them $140 million. And, uh, probably 300 after marketing. Yeah. But if, I mean, but if Marvel picks up 25% of that, then you're down to like 225, you know, 210 million, which it's nothing to seize at, but if it makes over a billion dollars and it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, what other Sony property is going to like net you 500 million? Yeah. Jumanji, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so, I mean, I I didn't doubt for a second they wouldn't figure it out. Yeah, and that too, you know, I was reading an article on the Hollywood Reporter, and I guess you know Tom Holland is also going to be in, is supposed to star in the Uncharted movie, and he was kind of <laughs> using it as leverage, like, hey, you want me in the Uncharted movie? You should really work this out. And he got Bob Iger's personal cell phone and email, and. um the people with Sony and he called them all up and was like, Hey, the fans really want this. And Bob Iger actually had a really interesting quote. He said, sometimes you have to remove yourself from the situation to see how much it means to people. And it did. And yeah. But it's also, the other thing is it's only for one more movie. So they yeah, can at least wrap up that storyline. Yeah, one more, uh, Spidey solo. And he's going to be in one more Marvel movie. Um, I think this is my little thing. So Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness is coming out. And so maybe Spider-Man will get stuck in a multiverse. Uh, that seems can, like the most likely one he'll be in. And they can create their own Spider-Man to... Yeah, so he gets stuck in that one, and then he'll fight Venom, and everyone will be happy because Venom will show up. And Yeah. So it'll be interesting. So, obviously, Sony also has Miles Morales, right? Yeah. But, Anything like, is any iteration, like, any type of Spider-Man is Sony's? Everyone. So they just from the Spider-Man license alone, I was reading they have 924 characters. So if they if Avengers created like some new character called like Man Spider, <laughs> well, I guess that would that would not be included. Yeah, I think you're good. Yeah, or just Spider. <laughs> the Spider. <laughs> the Spider. Actually, there's an old pulp hero called the Spider, so maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, um, Disney's Marvel's the Spider. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, speaking of Marvel, you can own all 23 films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one box set for $550. Um, something you want to do, Which, uh, Brad? Uh, no, cause I have them all separately. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't need them as one box. I mean, who has, who, who's been holding out on all 23 movies to own 
at this point. No doubt. And it only comes with one um like bonus disc? One bonus disc. That's from the vaults. Now if this bonus disc is, you know, four or five hours long, that'd be cool. It's not worth five hundred bucks. But a lot of times those bonus discs are like one hour. You know? Yeah, the special features, yeah. Because they said it's deleted scenes that no one's ever seen before. And I get that there's 23 movies, but how many could you actually, deleted scenes could you actually have? Um, on the Spider-Man Far From Home Blu-ray, it has actually tons of features, which is really nice. But half of them are, seems like they're deleted scenes from the film that have been repurposed as behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, Is that, all the stuff from the uh, extended cut that's in theaters on the no. disc? Oh, man. So, um, I guess I didn't talk about the extended cut when I was on the show. Um, no, we talked about 2009 movies. That's right. Um, really quick. So the extended cut. So yeah. So, uh, the stuff from the trailers in there, him fighting, um, bad guys in uh, a restaurant and him getting his passport. So that's three minutes of it. The other like minute, two minutes in the film is him fighting Mysterio. There's scenes, uh, the biggest one I noticed was, when he's fighting Mysterio in Venice, or I guess not fighting Mysterio, man, I guess he still is, uh, Hydro Man, and there's a bunch of different cuts, and it plays longer. Um, and so the extent cut was actually pretty cool, and it didn't distract from the film, um, because it worked, you know? And, and the scene where he's in the diner is really fun. But that is on the Blu-ray. It's uh, Peter's to-do list. And how they get around cutting it into a short film is there's this animated like notebook and it says pick up passport and then it gets crossed out and then he's in the post office and then he has to go to uh, the convenience store and then that gets crossed out. Then he fights the mob guys and it's fun. Hmm. I recommend it. So that makes me think that the extended cut might actually be released as well. Um, maybe not. Oh, as a separate release yeah. from like double dip. Mm. Yeah. Um, it might not, but I mean, it doesn't make them, all the scenes fit, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But in the, in some of the special features, they have um, like, oh, look at the teachers having fun, and it's scenes with them you can tell from the film. Um, but it's fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I I did the math. If you bought all 23 movies at 25 dollars each, mm-hmm. I think is roughly average price. Sure. Um, it would cost you 575 dollars. So really, so you save 50 bucks or 25 bucks. Yeah, before tax. Yeah, and that's um, okay. Eat them, buddy. Um. But yeah, who doesn't own them? And I actually think the still books look nicer. Um, I mean, they're cool that the the um, the uh, God damn it, um, the art is the title cards, which looks kind of cool. Um, I mean, Thor Ragnarok is the coolest title card, but um, until we see Love and Thunder, <laughs> <laughs> greatest title ever. Um, but yeah. That happened. Um, also, Sam Raimi's making his return to horror on Quibi. I don't even know what that is. Mm. It's a horror anthology. I'm guessing something streaming. But it's uh, basically, uh, it's called 50 States of Fright. And it's short stories based on urban legends from uh, around the United States. And Colorado is one of them. Um, and it's directed by, uh, where's the Colorado one? Sorry. Um, people that we know. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Um, it's red rum, and uh, so it's obviously taking place from, uh, I guess the Stanley Motel. Um, 
and it has uh, uh, Jacob Atalon, Batalon from Spider-Man, and Christina Ricci is in it. Um, Sam Raimi is directing an episode of, that takes place in Michigan, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the first season is Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Oregon, and Washington are uh, all the ones that they're doing. Um, so each episode is just based on a state? Yeah, so based on a state that um, has an urban legend. Um, and then two guys that we know um, from Telluride Horror Show, they're from Minnesota, Adam Schindler and Brian Netto. They directed uh, Delivery, The Beast Within. Name was changed for when it came out on home video. Um, they're doing one uh, called Butterfield. Uh, I mean, a- Asia Butterfield stars in it. Asa. Asa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Written and directed by Adam Schindler and Brian Netto. And those guys are really nice, so it's cool to see them do something else. And Sam Raimi's producing them all. Uh, he also mentioned that he's uh, looking to do a new Evil Dead with a different director. Um, yeah. And different star, because uh, Bruce Campbell doesn't want to play Ash anymore. No, and <laughs> in his interview... Uh, Ramey says that he would, he's trying to convince Bruce to come back, but here's the thing is Ash versus evil dead is like six movies. <laughs> if you, you know, the hour wise and, um, we had, even if they, I mean, I'd love to see him play it, him again, but we do have a lot now of yeah. Ash, uh, which is good. That's it for movie news. Right. I don't think I missed anything. Yeah. I got, I got nothing. Um, yeah, kind of a slow week. New York Comic Con's going on. Yeah. Lots of comic stuff there. Not too much. Uh, well, you know, I guess I didn't say that the new Spider-Man does come out in July of 2021, which is going to be four Marvel movies, which they've never done before. Mm, wow. Same summer as uh, The Batman, I guess. Yep. It's going to be loaded. Yeah. It'll be awesome. What's next? Uh, pff, I don't know. What do you want to do? Uh, Blu-ray releases, I guess. Cool. DVD releases and Blu-rays. So Disney wants to make you bankrupt because they keep on releasing uh, all their old animated stuff on 4K and they release them all on the same day. Not Spir- uh, Sleeping Beauty, though. The yeah, hell? They didn't, I don't know why they didn't make that 4K. So uh, just to prepare you, on November 5th, they're releasing Moana, Big Hero 6, The Princess and the Frog, Tangled, and Zootopia all on the same day. And that goes with what they released a couple weeks ago when it was another uh, six or seven films um, coming out on 4K. But I like that they're supporting 4K. Yeah, uh, on physical media. So I will not take that for granted. Absolutely not. And that's why they're awesome. Um, But hey, Disney, give me my Super Mario Brothers. (laughs) Fucking A. Skip the Blu-ray, go to 4K. All right. We want it. Uh, the big release next week, uh, so for October 8th, is going to be Toy Story 4. Um, really? Yeah. Looks like a good... I think that one will look awesome in 4K. The The opening scene with in the rain and the lighting is amazing. Um, Midsommar. Midsommar? Yep. Okay. Um, summer, whatever you want to call it. Some weird fucking... I heard on a podcast it's Midsommar. From Mid- the director. Oh, so. I did say it right. Midsommar. Yeah. Um, but he also said that he doesn't know either. Because <laughs> so, I guess he took it from that culture. and It could also research. be Midsommar or Midsommar, whatever. Midsommar. Uh, when I listen to that guy talk and I watched Hereditary, he blows smoke up his own ass. So I'm really not... <laughs> not into his stuff? No, but I, I hate... 
I hate when horror films try to be something more than they are. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan of The Shining. Because, whatever. Uh, the Deadwood movie is also coming out on Blu-ray. Let me get that. Good job, bud. Yeah, you're good. Annabelle Comes Home is also releasing on Blu-ray. Uh, not in 4K, though. Uh, the, it seems like the Conjuring universe, they don't put on 4K. Uh, Warner Archives is releasing From Beyond the Grave. Okay. Yep, don't know what that is, but this, the box art's cool. It's like bats flying around with a skull with a knife through it and a snake. And looks like a zombie hand holding it up. Metal. <laughs> Their, uh, Warner Archive is also releasing Shazam. The uh, the complete, like, uh, I guess it's uh, from the 70s TV show. Okay. Um, oh, no. yeah, the series. Yeah, yeah. the series. Uh, Nightmare Beach, which looks awesome. It has some dude with a black bicycle helmet covering a girl's mouth. Um, I guess it's a horror film. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. Did you ever see Primary Colors with John Travolta? I did not. Yeah, that's also coming out on uh, Blu-ray on um, Sony's like video on demand. So they're like $30. Really not worth it. Um, my boyfriend's back is getting another release. I got that one already. And Dudley Do Right, if you know you're into Brendan Fraser. That's a movie that came out in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> and it's great. I don't know. Yeah, Toy Story Four. That's yeah. That, uh, that's what you need to concern yourself with. Um, so the Steelbook does not match the other Toy Stories they released, but the Steelbook is actually really cool though. Yeah, it, it's just Woody, uh, Bo Beep, and Buzz on the cover. It's like all sepia toned. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, R- I, I wish R- it was R- that same art style. Yeah, I, I I passed on getting those. Like they look great, but I'm just like I don't want to rebuy these movies again uh, right now. Uh, but then I thought about it, I was like, but there's gonna be a good one for Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, uh, have you seen the Wally one? They have it already. I, didn't, didn't that one come out? Wasn't that one that came out with a no, big bunch of them? Wally up and something else is still not. Uh, but they put out the Good Dinosaur before they put up Wally. Like I love the Good Dinosaur. I think it's actually a great film. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. It's it's just like when they did the the Marvel 4K steel books. Like they left out Ant Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and something else until and Doctor Strange until yeah. like last week. That is interesting. I, there has so, to be a reason behind it. I just maybe the team just and then I, I mean their DVD team just need time to get stuff done. I guess it, yeah, I guess it can only up convert so many to 4K at one time because I mean it's probably yeah. a pain in the ass. I'm sure it's hard for Disney to hire people with their three or four billion dollars in cash <laughs> right now. Do you think they just have money lying around? Do you think Disney actually knows how much money they have? Oh, I'm sure they do. They, like, they, I'm sure they have the best accountants. Well, I mean. But, like, how much money they put out and how much is coming in, there has to... I don't know. It seems like there's just a lot of moving parts. Oh, for sure. Like, I wonder how long it takes them be, after the day's done to tabulate how much money they made in that day. I, yeah, they've got probably a whole day. Because there's also, like, foreign money yeah. that, like... You know, has to be converted. Overseas has to be converted. Like, you have to rely on those people to, like, get it accurate. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, because I, I was thinking about that because they have Hong Kong Disneyland... Disneyland Paris, Disneyland Japan. Yeah, and those release schedules are spread out. Like, they're not all the same. Okay, I won't look. Their release schedule is foreign. Okay. And just put your name on 
For those listening at home, Kellen has interrupted the podcast, making Ryan get a Jolly Rancher for him <laughs> out of a bag. But he was teasing me because they're There's all nothing gone. nothing in it? Yeah. Wow. That's cold. Cold-blooded. Love you, buddy. Your son's kind of mean to you. I know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, because I was just thinking that out loud the other day. I was like, man. They have to just know at the end of the month because... No, I, I'm sure it takes like a year and a half. Like like I said, like... Those are the white one, the flippy top. <laughs> Someday I'll finish this thought. Yeah. He's <laughs> so loud. Um, I love my boy, but goodness. Um, yeah, so the the entire release of a film like lasts over a period of an mm-hmm. entire year. So like it's probably still premiering in small markets. Yeah. Foreign places. That's so. what I mean. It has to go monthly because you couldn't do it. I don't know if you could do it daily. Oh, so, yeah. So like each... Well, so you, Disneyland, or maybe at the end of the week, Disneyland's like, hey, this is how much in merchandise, food, ticket sales. Uh, put that into the Disney coffers. I don't know. Yeah. It just made me think. If you go on Box day. Office Mojo and you, and you look at like the foreign totals, mm-hmm. like um, you, like one week it'll be like, we've, we've tabulated 400 markets or whatever, and yeah. then that same list will be updated you know, a month later with well, like, that's why the other 23... It, that when are missing. People were saying, oh, I don't know if it, Avengers is going to beat Avatar. But then they started, ca- the tabulation started yeah. catching up. And they go, yeah, we beat it. Yeah. Yeah, initially it didn't look, yeah. It didn't look like it was going to happen. But, but, yeah, they didn't tell us that there's all these stragglers. Yep. Well, because when you did, if you went to Box Office Mojo and did look at their foreign totals, some were two or three weeks behind. So it's waiting for them to tabulate and catch yeah. up. And yeah. it, the opening weekend is what they care about most. So like that's when everyone's on their game. Yeah. But like you know, three or four months down the line, it's like, well, we'll just figure this. We'll sort it out when it get when it gets here. So we've already got the record. We're we're fine. Yeah, good for them. So deserves it. But yeah, I'm sure it's a ton of ton of work. Spoilers for my film explosion list. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, with that many moving parts, like at the end of the day. How, how can we trust how accurate it really is? Because, you know, people put stuff in the wrong fields and, you know, mistype things. Who knows if yeah. any of these records are actually yep. true. Who knows? I don't know. No, I like to think Avengers is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with it yeah. until someone proves <laughs> otherwise. But, like, you know, realistically, if you think about it, with all the errors that can be made in every stage of the process, yeah, you know, we, we put a lot of faith in that everyone's doing their job correctly. Yeah, because, I mean, now, you that's why, you know, people say that Gone with the Wind is always the highest grossing one. But how reliable is ticket taking? <laughs> Accounting in the 1930s? Yeah, because, one, now we have computers. So it's easier for me to think that it's all scanned. And when you sell tickets, it just reports to somewhere. Um, so you think that, but they can't act like they do it off of gross instead of attendance. Yeah. Like, it makes more sense that they would tabulate records based on attendance and that too so you know you say they say that um if you adjusted gone with the winds tickets to now prices that it's the highest grossing movie of all time but do we know that every theater sold that many tickets back then because i'm just picturing and i could be wrong yeah and they didn't have the oversight that they have today so they could have like oh it's a five cent day or something yeah or they bought all these roll of maybe they buy certain rolls of tickets and those all count for bought um because that's what they do for um you know music is they it's not how much are sold in the stores it's how much places are buying and they're going to the stores yeah um I don't yeah. Know. also security was lax 
back then. So how many people snuck in to see Gone yeah, with the Wind? We don't know this. These are things we yeah. don't know. That's if I had a time. We'll never machine. know. Yeah. But back then too, Gone with the Wind played for you know two years, right? <laughs> Um, and there was only like 300 theaters. <laughs> it, yeah. And you go back and think is I, I've been reading, you know, about Cary Grant and he holds the records for, um, the longest or the most money made at some New York theater. And it was $140,000. Like, oh, that's not that much. But then when you think back, that it was 1937, 38. Like, oh, that is quite a bit of money during the great depression. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Anywho, uh, we also watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call, what you've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad? What you've been watching? What have you been watching? The audience? Listening audience? Or me? You. Uh, yeah, so I got through season six. Yeah, six of The Blacklist. Um, I, I don't know what Kern's talking about. There's no romantic angle on Red and his daughter. Uh, I don't see it at all. Um... Uh, yeah i don't understand I don't, that show at all i know what she's talking yeah and and corinne it keeps on calling me out because she's right she keeps on calling me out that i have to see everything before i judge it but i feel that you and her have explained it so much to me that i don't need to see it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah the first two seasons i i was uh i endorsed it a lot like as worth watching but six seasons in and so, like some of the plot lines and deviations are just so bonkers i'm just like yeah and here's this probably needs to come to an end. Here's my problem with those network shows is they seem so contrived. Oh yeah. Um, cause I really like designated survivor until it gets to, um, I don't know, like the procedural part where we got to find this undersell group and it seems really forced and it does. We're 24. Yeah. There's always like a Mullins TTU, but you would never know what to expect because, you know, Jack Bauer could sometimes go off the deep end, which yeah. by the way, Jack Bauer made an appearance on last week tonight with John Oliver. Ooh, nice. Uh, there, what were they, what were they talking about? Oh, pharmacy companies would use, um, fake people to, uh, fill orders or something. I can't remember the actual substance of the thing, but it, uh, the people were, um, like common, um, a bunch of other people and Jack Bauer. So it was real celebrities and Jack Bauer and they <laughs> had uh Kiefer Sutherland on there and they're talking about, uh, it's like compound prescription drugs. And so it goes, they're doing this like Brady bunch kind of thing saying, Hey, we did it. We did blah, blah, blah. And it cuts to Kiefer and he says, and I will find you and I will cut out your insides. I'm like, yes, <laughs> he totally goes all Jack Bauer. It's great. Miss Jack Bauer. Oh, I, I know that's the only thing too. Cause like designated survivor is a cool show and it's all right. But, but the president is out there like, but, but yeah, the president terrorists. can't do that. You know, he has to be presidential. Yeah. I'm waiting for him to be Jack Bauer and it just isn't happening. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but that's the other thing. Just like those network shows, they have to, they often do like 30 episode orders and we're so used yeah. to serialized television, like 24, like every episode is integral to the other one. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, stuff true. like the blacklist is they'll have like an, uh, like a six episode run of like, you know, these storylines all matter and uh, together. And then there's one, like a one off of just like, you know, what if there's like this fucked up person that did this thing and we have to find them. And you know, and this might be the thing too, is I think network television is an older demographic. So they, the CSI shows and things like that, um, play to them better i don't know for me it's like my in-laws love those kind of shows like me i'm like me yeah i i don't understand how people have not gotten enough of doctors lawyers and, pol and the police i know it's uh, cbs basically is yeah their bread and butter um but you know what hats off to them 
Yeah, and then also, uh, ever since like all those networks bought all the music catalogs, yeah, they force all their like art- recording artists into just uh, completely unnecessary music montages. Yep, like hey, here's a song you might like in the show that you like. <laughs> um, consider buying it on iTunes. It's like, oh god. Yeah, even music. Tell a story now. Because now music uh, billboard collabor- uh combines like YouTube watches, Spotify streams. Because I'm always like, man, how are some of these artists I've never heard of number one? In um, it, because you know, I like Rod Stewart and his new album like peaked at sixty on the Billboard charts. I said, wow, that's his lowest charting album since his first one. And that's really low. But then I went and looked at physical sales; he was number two. So it was like share than him. So his people still buy the CDs. He's just not getting the Spotify, the YouTube, and all that other stuff now that they add to the totals of making it number one. Right. Which I, I get why, because that's how people consume the music and it should be, but it's, it's, it's fascinating. At trivia last week, you know, there's always a music round, round mm-hmm. two. Um, and the past few weeks, they've all been like recent music choices. Uh, so round two, like I left seven spaces blank and just turned it in. It's like, I've never heard of any of these songs before. <laughs> like never heard of them. Like there's stuff I'm like, I've heard that before, but I don't know who it is or what the title is. <laughs> Usually don't know what the title is. But this one was like, I've never heard of any of these songs. Yep. They've never gone in my ear before. Well, something for us. I just, uh, two days ago on Facebook, Weird Al posted that Bad Hair Day just went two times platinum after 23 years of release. <laughs> I mean, it went one time platinum, yeah. so it's enough to brag about. Yeah, two times. That's pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, it's still, still been selling. People are still buying it. The kids are still buying it. Yep. Um, you see... Hugh Lewis has a new uh, track out. He does? Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just want the whole album, you know? Yeah. I know uh, Rod Stewart has one coming out in November, and people are losing their shit because they're basically they took his original vocals and added it to a symphony, and his uh, hardcore fans, in quotes, say, this is bullshit. The originals are perfect. I said, don't buy it. Yeah. They're still out there. They didn't yeah. take them away for you. No, and if you listen to them, it, they sound the same, except there's more instruments. And they sound fine. It sounds good. But... Yeah. When they recorded, he he sang without instruments around. So they have <laughs> yeah. an audio track of that. And that's and someone what was did. like, hey, what if we just put it over an orchestra? Yep. That's like, what they did. The diehard fans will enjoy it, right? Yeah. You know, whatever. Nope. They'll eat up anything. Anyway, so yeah, the Blacklist. Um, <laughs> we went off a whole different tangent there. Anyways, um, Blacklist. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like all the mystery of the show has kind of been wrapped up at this point. Mm. Um, and there's... A new one, um, I don't know, it feels like season seven would like, be a good place to end it. Uh, I watched Walking Dead season nine. Hmm. Um, really enjoyed the finale. Uh, yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to take I, out that main characters all at once. You know, I, I got the Blu-ray because I already have them all. I'm like, I should keep this going. Um, but I've kind of fallen off watching it week to week. Uh, I think towards season seven and eight i think the cast got too big so it's not very focused right um but i mean there's still the gems in it and i mean i love rick grimes as a character so that he went away yeah Uh, he's totally coming back at the end of the show well they're they're making movies with him so walking dead movies yeah they were gonna put on my amc and i heard they're gonna put him out in like movie theaters maybe a fathom event thing um is it still that popular yeah, I guess. Huh. I mean, it's still, it's, I guess it's still like 8 million people watch it. Like it's something you should have done like back in season three. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed Negan. Like, it's kind of weird they have, they like have to go through 
turning him into a more sympathetic and heroic character. Yeah. Like, he definitely should have been, like, killed. Uh, I mean, you know, there is always that argument is, is Negan really the bad guy or Rick people is Rick's people, the bad people, uh, you know, you can make an argument for both of them. Yeah. The the entire series of walking dead is the humans are terrible people. Uh, You know, I I've said this about the walking dead comic. I, it ended abruptly. It was really cool. I mean, I I like how they ended it because they didn't tell anybody. Um, In fact, it was really cool. I, I read comics so much and I get previews and, I, I don't get single issues of Walking Dead because I don't think they're very good as a single issue. When you read them as a whole story, it's good. But um, in my previews, they started putting um, like the new issues of The Walking Dead because previews are about three or four months ahead of t- before the comics come out. And it would just say, like, Walking Dead, I don't even know the number, 172. It's It says, a new threat happens. And there's no number. There was no number on the covers. They didn't have any of the logos on it. It would just be a picture of like Rick Grimes. And um, so I was thinking in my head, I was like, there's something up with this. So I went and I added it to my poll slot and I got the final three issues. And one where Rick gets shot is because no one expected him to get shot and he dies in the next issue. Um, that came out of nowhere. They never announced it on the cover. You can't tell that he's going to get shot. And uh, so that comic's worth a lot of money because they didn't order very many of them. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, you've we'll been sc- scoring lately on uh, I know. rare and valuable comics. I know. Um. See, so I like the finale. Yeah, uh, it's but good. but strangely, the whole season is really about like society coming back. Like yeah. it's really less death and destruction. Yeah. Uh, well, the final issue of the Walking Dead comic, um, Carl is still alive, and then after Rick dies, it takes place. It's like ten years later, if I can remember right. And then it is about society being rebuilt, and they're still you know the threat of zombies, but. They've seemed to have been able to deal with it. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting, like, no one has bothered to, like, everyone's staying in, like, Georgia. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I know you don't really want to go out and encounter zombies, but, you know, all of zombie story isn't happening in Georgia. Yeah, because, you know, I was always thinking, too, in my head in real life, eventually the initial surge of zombies would slowly deteriorate because eventually it would decompose and no longer be able to do anything yeah so eventually there'd still be zombies but i think people would be able to live with them you know it'd be like us sitting here doing a podcast like oh fuck here comes a zombie hang on a second (laughs) get my machete (laughs) yeah yeah um just it seems but i I think it's interesting that none of the characters like no one's written like oh this character like takes a journey to oregon sure (laughs) or something and uh tries to settle there instead of because I always thought somewhere like this would be a good place to be because you're far enough away from everything. I mean, you'd probably have advanced warning if zombies were coming. Yeah. Because I mean, better than the show because yeah. apparently they can just be right behind you and you <laughs> and just sneak up on you. But <laughs> they're sneaky. Um, as a functioning human being, you could probably yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yep. Um, I also forgot like weeks ago. I uh, part of the Disney Movie Rewards. I redeemed him for arachnophobia. Oh. That's going to be um, a long time. Just, it, I, I, I thought it was going to be more fun than it is, but it's really like uh, Jeff Daniels, like, oh, someone gets bit by a spider. No one's really sure why. No one believes him. And then at the end, he <laughs> fights like an animatronic spider. I don't um, remember that movie at all. Um, I sort of don't remember it, having only watched it like four weeks ago. But it was it was <laughs> less... Like, it was really just kind of people in scenes just kind of talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't as many... I guess spider scares like the finale is great. Cause his whole house gets taken over by spiders. And I'm kind of like, 
you know, this is like 91, so mm. there's not really CGI spiders. So to pull off that effect, nice. so like, is it animation? Is it um, real spiders that they unleashed, you know, non-poisonous or something? Um, so that's cool. And then John Goodman, you know, is often uh, like the marketing materials for that, but he's barely in it. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't even figure into destroying the spider at the end. Like yeah, I can't. I like he torches the house, but yeah, I, I like I said, vaguely remember the film. I know they a lot of is the the title is the big selling point for it. Yeah. And then like their opening 30 minutes is uh, like in the Amazon or something. There's like a completely different set of characters that are try, like trying to find these rare spiders. And then it kills one guy gets in his coffin and gets shipped back, like shipped back to the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it ends up in Jeff Jones's town. And he's a doctor who uh, moved there with his family because he was promised, like, he gets to take up this old guy's practice once he's done, but that guy ends up not retiring after all. And so he's kind of stuck um, trying to get patients in the small town that are loyal to that guy. Mm. Uh, but then that guy dies, and then he has to become the doctor, and then he gets stuck on this investigation of why these people are mysteriously dying from um, weird bites. Huh. I, yeah, I don't... Yeah. You're explaining to me, I, I vaguely remember the plot, but <laughs> I don't remember it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I go, yeah, I remember that part. But I just wish it was like it seems like John Goodman's character would be that character that like is so, uh, you know, is like Quint, right? He's mm-hmm. like so confident in his yeah. abilities to defeat it, and then he's the one who gets, uh, you know, killed or whatever. But that doesn't happen. Huh. Um. So it's okay. I mean, it was basically a free movie. Um. And then I um. Watched uh villains, which is uh. I don't know if it's really indie, but it was in oh, what is limited what is release in theaters. Um, the girl from It Follows. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, uh, Bill Skarsgård. That's right. Um, I saw a lot of previews for that. Yeah. So I decided to check it out, and it's weird. <laughs> um, Lousy cookies on Facebook. Yeah. the uh, She and him are uh, thieves. Um, they knock over convenience stores because they're like, they're like a Bonnie and Clyde, mm. but they're like a millennial Bonnie and Clyde, right? Um, they're fuck ups at it, but they still get away with it. Um, and then, uh, you know, they're, they're so stupid that they didn't bother to fill up their gas tank. So they run out of gas in the middle of the woods and they stumble onto this house nearby where apparently the husband and wife are, um, also screwed up people. Like they have a daughter that's chained up in the basement. Hmm. Um, it may not be theirs. Um, and then the tables turn, uh, for the Bonnie and Clyde couple um, that these people are more fucked up than they are um, and they have to escape. And um, like, ultimately like, I'm not sure like what the overall idea is other than like, Hey, we want to make a movie where these four people are super weird. Um, And I don't know. It just seems like an excuse. Like we made a movie. Um, I'm not sure like what the underlying theme or idea was. Um, So that was just kind of boring. Yeah. That sucks. I like Micah Moore a lot. I mean, people—the people in it are acting interestingly and uh, creating characters you haven't really seen before. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, what was the point of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just seems like an exercise in making a movie. Gotcha. Um, like, hey, we did it. We crossed the finish line, <laughs> and it's out there. Um, but uh, there wasn't enough in the story worthwhile. Um, and that's it for me. I. Uh- yeah, like I said earlier, I actually have uh, been using my um, Alamo season pass to see movies that maybe I would have never seen anyways. I saw Hustlers, which is um, 
a movie with Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu, who are strippers who rob uh, Wall Street guys. Yeah. And the premise is, is... And a person we went to high school with. Yeah, and Kersey Bryan is in it, a person we went to high school with. She's uh, the mother, Amy. Um, she's in it for a couple minutes. But it is a speaking role in, I mean, a very successful film, so good for her. She's one of those people that she's always on Broadway, and you go, wow, someone from Golden actually really made it. Man. And is doing very well for themselves. And so hats off to Kersey. It's kind of cool seeing her on there. Because um, it takes you ba- uh, back a little bit. You go, oh, <laughs> yeah, some people make it in this world. Um, I remember seeing you in the school play. Yep. Uh, uh, or in, uh, what was your video you made with her in it? Where she was running down the stairs and Adam Oh, said, Bonsai Beer Cat. Bonsai oh Beer God. Cat. That's right. Man. You should put that on her IMDb page <laughs> and see if she's still proud of it. Um <laughs> That'd be messed up. I bet she's not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm waiting for the dollar theaters to see it. Sorry, Chrissy. Yeah. You know, actually, you should have submitted it to Alamo before Hustlers. And then, you know, they could do that, like, bing. Um, but Wait, no, uh, you want us to add to pre-show this character who's, like, <laughs> not Jennifer Lopez or Constance Wu? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Do it. Um, so, yeah, they they play strippers that decide that they're going to rob um wall street wall street guys by taking their credit cards and basically drugging them so they don't remember it and that they'll just keep on charging stuff to them and they end up making tons of money and there's some sort of rift between them at the end um and it it, henry really liked it i looked at his uh letterboxd review for it um i was it was all right um, Jennifer Lopez is actually really good in it. She is um, pretty great. Constance Wu is really good. But the story is thieves with a heart of gold. And you go, eh. Yeah. They're, but, they're, Are they? but they're drugging people and stealing <laughs> their money. Um, where in the movie th- uh, that we saw this week, I'll talk about it later. But um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why people love it so much. Um, good for them. I, I I just couldn't get behind it. It goes all the way back to The Godfather. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- that's a criminal family family that's celebrated in American culture. Yeah, and it's. I mean, they're not. I guess they're kind of bad. I don't know. And then they just make mistakes, and it's always, oh, let's get uh, you know Jennifer Lopez's character gets so greedy, and Constance Wu character. I don't remember their names. Oh, Constance Wu is Destiny. I don't remember the other one. And so they're you know it's you've. You, you're going too far. This is too far. You know, I don't know. Contrived. <laughs> but shot well. It's America. There's no limit to the top. I bet it's a line in there, right? <laughs> it sounds like it is. I wouldn't be surprised me. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. Um, it exists. Um, I also saw Daughters of Satan, which is uh, a Scream Factory release starring a very young Tom Selleck from 1972. And stash or no stash? Stash. Totally rocking the stash. And... Um, I guess there was at, in the early seventies, there was, uh, a period where horror films were made in, uh, the Philippines and they were cheap, but they would take half American and half Philippine crews and kind of, I guess like the King Kong movies in, uh, or Godzilla, uh, were Japanese and American. And in it, he plays a historic art dealer and he goes to this shop that has a painting with this, these witches being burned. And one of the witches looks like his wife, even though it really doesn't in the picture, but I guess it's a low budget thing. So they did as well as they could. And after he gets it, weird things start happening. Like he's attacked by a Rottweiler. <laughs> there was a Rottweiler in the painting. But then when he looked at the painting at his house, the Rottweiler was not in the painting anymore. What? 
Was it even there the whole time? <laughs> and so uh, the Rottweiler's uh, uh, collar falls off. And it's a spikes on it everywhere. And he has to return it to... He's trying to find the Rottweiler's home because it just fell, followed him home. And the address is 666, like Main Street in Manila. <laughs> this seems normal. Yeah. Um, and the movie's not great. It's not horrible. Uh, Blood and Lace was horrible. This one is at least kind of fun. Um, there's a cool like foot chase throughout... Manila when uh, they're trying to kill Tom Selleck's character uh, after he tries to return the dog. And there's this really funny part where uh, (laughs) Tom uh, Selleck's character hang on one second I need to wipe my kid's butt because he just went poop. So Tom Selleck is running from this evil cult people. So it's like a witch coven is the story. And the witches are reincarnated in these three modern women in Manila. Anyways, so Tom Selleck is running from a couple of these guys that are chasing him through the city. And then he runs up on top of this truck. And you can totally tell it's his stunt double. Because it has this horrible afro and this <laughs> bad mustache like glued on the dude's face. Um, it's not horrible. It's totally stupid, though. Um, there's boobs, there's some violence, um, but it almost seems like, I don't know how many of those early seventies horror films you've watched, but it seems like, Oh, we can show boobs now. And so they have kind of a stupid excuse to show boobs and, um, the violence isn't like that gory. Um, but eh, Tom Selleck dies at the end because <laughs> his wife is being possessed by the soul of the one, which from the painting, I guess, <laughs> um, but yeah, it exists. Um, and then uh, the last thing I watched this week is I saw Ad Astra. Um, oh. We're not doing that for a, a film, are we? I don't think we are. I don't know. I think we're at a point now where we don't. We won't. Um, yeah, I think by the time we get to a blank week, it'll be like a month later from it. So yeah, um, and it's really boring. Oh. Um, I mean, it's shot very well. Um, the acting is really good in it. Uh, there's some plot holes that are pretty glaring in it. Uh, anyways, the story is, is Brad Pitt is um, part of Space Force, um, which is um, the military version of, I, can't, I forget, it's Space Command, I think what they're called in here. Space Force is the thing that Donald Trump is doing. Um, but so he works on this like 6,000 foot, 60,000 foot tall antenna to pick up alien life form um, radio signals. But I'm not even that smart that way. I'm like, I don't think that's how radio works in space. Um, whatever. Um, so uh, there's uh, these surges that are happening throughout the universe or our solar system that is causing catastrophic events to happen. And they find that it might be Brad Pitt's dad, played by Tommy Lee Jones, um, who was on a spaceship that was going to the ends of the solar system to find alien life forms. But for some reason, he's he's sending out this pulse that is making everything happen. Like things are shutting off and exploding. Um, so, uh, so Brad Pitt is enlisted to go find his dad. And it's a top secret mission. So he flies commercial to the moon, and then he has to fly to Mars. Then he goes from Mars to uh, Neptune, where the last known position of his father's spaceship is. And it just takes a really long time to get there. Um, yeah. 
what's their excuse for enlisting him? Just like, well, he's your son, because so they're hoping you'll know that, how to find him. Yeah, they're hoping that just he'll inherently. appeal to his dad to stop doing whatever it is he's doing, because his dad's supposed to be dead, and but and, this, they, and they think his dad is responsible for the exactly. devastation back on Earth. Yeah. I don't know, buddy. Um, so yeah, so they're thinking that if they have him appeal to his, so he's going to Mars and they're sending a mission to a message to his father, um, on the ship that if his father's still alive, he'll respond and his response will be, I'll stop because, um, it's affecting everybody else in the universe while he's trying to find intelligent life, but he's been missing for 30 years. It's weird. Um, I mean, it's shot well. Um, Brad Pitt's really good in it, but there's also some, like I said, plot holes in it that don't make any sense. What does Ad Astra mean? I have no idea. They don't explain that movie? Nope. Okay. If they did, I was too bored and I lost track of it. It's Latin, right? I think so, yeah. Because here's... Just for... Um, so this movie, I think, was two hours and 14 minutes or something like that. And Joker was two hours and two minutes, but Joker seemed three times as fast. Um and this one, it just dragged and dragged, and it's quiet. And uh, Ad Astra means to the stars. Okay, we learned something new. Um, I mean, the effects look really great in it. Um, yeah, I'm just a little burnt out on, like, Ocean's Eleven star goes to space movie. Yeah. Like, that's the cell. Yeah, it's... Like, it wasn't the whole... Like, they said he's trying to find his dad, but, yeah. like, over two hours, what does that mean? Yeah, and, yeah, he's... It's just hard. It's... And then they go on once they, on their way to uh, Mars, they a ship sends out like a distress signal, and so when they get there, it's a, re- it's a research. Ryan's son is trying to make dinner. <laughs> yeah, it's a research ship, and then when he gets on there, crazy baboons have killed all the, uh, the crew members on there, and it seems like it was just, it, like why were there baboons on the ship? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because it doesn't really serve the plot. It just seems as. It's been really quiet for a really long time, so we need some sort of action beat to happen. We need um, an action beat on page 15. Yeah. And there's they have to go drive moon buggies across the surface of the moon, and there's moon pirates. <laughs> what they're getting, I don't know. It's weird. And it, it, All right. Yeah. You don't need to rush out and see it. I mean, I still think it's a good kind of movie. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's not poorly made. It's not like I didn't. Yeah, don't hurt yourself. It's not that I um, uh, thought it was like a poor film. It's just I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. I just thought it would be more fun, and it's just not fun to watch. Um, but hey, yeah. if I had the Alamo movie pass, yeah, I'd so, go see whatever, whenever. So that's why I saw Hustlers and that Astra because <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, so this week I've already paid for my pass and then some. So for the year. It's a, per year, right? Uh, it's well, it's twenty bucks a month. Oh, okay, okay, so per month. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, movies now are thirteen bucks. So yeah, you see one, you're already yeah, I'm you already paid there. for a month's yeah. worth of stuff. So I see two, I'm good. And you could see thirty. Yeah, I could see thirty. Um, but yeah, it was all right. Uh, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw Joker. Brad, should people see Joker? This is a tough one, man, because <laughs> it's a gorgeous film. Like it is beautiful to watch and. Obviously, Joaquin Phoenix kills it, um, but it's it's really hard to like endorse like a villain, um, and it's, that's done so well. Like, I would love to see this actually be the the jumpstart for a new Batman universe. 
uh, because of some of the stuff it introduces, especially with their, like, when I was watching it, I was really upset with the mishandling of Thomas Wayne. Like, um, but it, if, if they go that route, it does present some interesting new dynamics for Bruce Wayne to deal with in a future film. Um, so I would say go see it cause I, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, and it's actually not as violent, like Deadpool is way more violent than this movie. Like it, it, I, the impact of the violence is stronger because it's not silly. Um, but it's, it's not as gory as other superhero movies. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think this movie is amazing. I really do. I um, I have never been so uncomfortable watching a film about watching someone's mental state deteriorate over the course of two hours. Give me a second. And um, it, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in this film because he, I don't know if he's not in a scene in this whole movie. I think he's in every scene in some capacity. Um, so he has to carry this film and as you watch it, you can actually see his transformation in the film, not only physically, but also mentally, which is amazing. Um, I'm going to, yeah, I piggyback off you. Actually, I was talking to Zach about it cause Zach wasn't as enamored with it as I was. And I can see this thing be, film being very divisive because you're right. You're going to spend two hours and this dude is not a good person. And, uh, I, and, and, and there's some excuses made for, to make him sympathetic, which I understand and are, are sort of valid, but yeah, but it's doesn't work. And, and Zach and I have, I, w- I said, yeah, it is a psychological horror film yeah. because he's not a good person. And um, the dangerous part is that other people, like people don't ingest art the same way. Like people interpret things and this could be like a calling. It could be a calling card for justifying a lot of bad things. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I agree with you 100%. I think people should see the film. I think it's, if you like Batman uh, and the Joker, it's a really interesting take on the character. Um, and I'll talk about it more after uh, we play the trailer. Can <gasps> <clears throat> <clears throat> please stop bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. (laughs) This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. world where everyone thinks they could do my job check out this guy when i was a little boy and told people i was going to be a comedian everyone laughed at me well no one's laughing now you can say that again pal it's so awful isn't it For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. Think this is funny? (laughs) 
this a joke to you? Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? So Joker gives a name to the Joker. His name's Arthur Fleck. And a backstory. And a backstory, which um, it kind of pulls from several Joker stories. Um, I've always enjoyed the backstory of the Joker not having one where he makes them all up yeah. based and on the situation he needed. You know what's funny is uh, when in my text messages back and forth with Zach, is Zach, again, wasn't as enamored. Like, I love this movie. Um, but I said, here's the thing with the Joker is... The story he's telling, he's the most unreliable narrator you can have. Because he even says, I don't know if it's in The Killing Joke. I think it is. He said, you know, depends on what mood I'm in. This could be a real one. This could be a fake one. And I think this film digs into the mental state of somebody who is a psychopath. And who he doesn't believe he's one. And this film does a really cool job of... And I some people hate the, this part of the film, but I, this is one of my favorite things is what's actually happening and what's not. Yeah, cuz that like like I said it goes back to Thomas Wayne and like the and Alfred, like they're portrayed as not great people, um but this whole movie is from his perspective. Exactly. So how true is that? That's yeah. what I mean cuz you know it, there's also um because you know Thomas Wayne has never really been that fleshed out mm -hmm. and and they make him uh kind of a villain in the film. I mean obviously not like the Joker, but yeah. Um, you know, the, I mean, here we'll start getting into spoiler territory. Um, I visibly rolled my eyes when it was when he read the note from his mom saying that Thomas Wayne was his dad. I go, are you fucking kidding me? Don't. Um, there's some things I don't mind, but when you start, I mean, you it are goes messing. all the way back to Batman 89 when people were upset that the Joker <laughs> killed Batman's yeah. parents. So that's what I mean. It's you're you're messing with lore. That's fine. I get it's your version of the story, but you're really, really treading dangerous waters here because to making it too connected. Because then, you, then you're making Batman have an even bigger personal stake in the death of his family, um, which it just doesn't. It, it's really out of character. Even the little Thomas Wayne we know, yeah, he's a billionaire and he probably has some issues but we're always taught throughout the stories of thomas wayne that he's a billionaire but he helps people in gotham yeah with he... gotham's white knight who was exactly. tragically taken out exactly and when he's taken out that's when everything happens poorly and that's what and you know Makes bruce wayne worse, leaves yeah. and and so i was like oh are you fucking kidding me are they really gonna I and mean, i was thinking i said man maybe this is the stuff that people didn't like about this movie is now we're gonna make batman connected in some way, the Joker is Batman's brother. Um, and I go, man, this is <laughs> half stupid. brother. Yeah. Um, but I, after a while, I started to think like that would make that, that would give the next Batman likes like another ad level of something to like yeah. grapple with because if it is true and Thomas Wayne is kind of a jerk, um, and kind of holding the city back. Um, but Batman grows up thinking that he's an yeah. ideal person that to aspire to. And then the Joker, um, is actually like a half 
mm-hmm. uh, son of Thomas Wayne. Um, like having Batman have to, I don't know, just deal with that. Like the, the, yeah. the fallout of that, you know, going away for seven years and training to be this, you know, perfect super or hero. And then coming back and like implementing that and then finding out like everything he is, is kind of built on a lie. Yeah. And I, th- so yeah, the, the film progresses and it goes through him being a failed stand-up comedian um, that he has uh, like some sort of form of Tourette's where he laughs when it's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you get a really early sense. You know, it's funny because at the beginning of the film, uh, you kind of think he's just a weird outsider and you feel sorry for him. But as a film plays out, you go, no, this dude is not right. And I think that's why this movie works so well. Because every time you develop a little bit of sympathy for Arthur Fleck, something happens where you go, no, this dude's not a good person. Um, whether it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. After I saw it, I went to IGN and they have like five or six different editors. And every single person interpreted the movie a different way. It was really fascinating. Yeah. And I think that just goes back to what you and I were talking about is the Joker is the most unreliable narrator you can have because he's told his story different ways. Um, and there's probably some sliver of truth in every little bit of the story um, because there's even that uh, confrontation he has with uh, Thomas Wayne in the bathroom where he's trying to be sympathetic. He's like, I don't want anything from you. I just want to blah. And Thomas Wayne just punches him in the face. Like, leave me the fuck alone and say the fuck away from my kids. You go, Oh, he's the asshole. But as a movie plays, you go, um, you know what? Something's not right here. Then you find out that he imagined like the girl across the hall was like, like in love with him. him. Yeah. Because he even has that like heroic moment where, you know, he, um, he goes and sees her after he's had a tough day after he gets fired and, he walks in there and she kisses him and she starts showing up with him. And, you know, the whole time you go, why is this woman with him? Because it doesn't make any sense. There was the, all she did was smile at him. And that's just his own mind telling him that. And there's a little hint in this film that where he's going to come unraveled, where he goes and sees a social worker and she says, um, they're cutting off funding. So you won't be able to get your medications. And he says, I don't need them. And I think that's when his world perspective changes and we're led into understanding that this isn't happening. Um, Here's the other thing. The very end of the movie, yeah. did this story happen at all? Exactly. And <laughs> Is this even a DC or Joker story? Or just the... Just some crazy guy? The um, invention of some thing, crazy guy. I actually... Because I, I still have a problem with the Joker killing Thomas Wayne and uh, Martha Wayne. However, well, <laughs> I like... Indirectly. Uh, well, in Batman 89. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but in this film, I actually like the idea of the Joker rising and giving birth to Batman because inspiring of inspiring people to because the unrest. I'm in the so I'm actually this is how I think it happened. So in the film, um, the Joker or Arthur Fleck really wants to be on the Murray show. I forget his last name. Murray Abrams or something. Something like that. Um, it's played by Robert De Niro. It's basically The Tonight Show. Yeah. And he makes fun of him. And so he goes out there, and this is set up so awesomely, that you see Arthur Joker. I'm going to just call him Joker now because he's pretty much the Joker now. Um, he says, knock, his jo- joke is knock-knock, and he uh, about 20 minutes before he mimes that he's going to shoot himself. Yeah. And so the whole time, and it's set up so well that you think this might actually happen. 
in my head, I was thinking, well, maybe he's the guy who inspired the Joker that, you know, Joker saw him on TV. Yeah. He kills himself. Which is a storyline from Gotham. Oh, which I saw Gotham this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wrapped I wrapped up too quickly. <laughs> uh, I think that's fascinating. However, so anyways, so he goes on the show and he has this awesome monologue where he tells people, he says, you know, you're the kind of person that just walks over someone like me if I was shot dead. But because of these Wall Street assholes, basically, you're like, sad. Well, because he killed three dudes on the subway or did yeah. he? I don't know. I guess that's probably really did happen. If it did happen, they did pick on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and that woman. Yeah. And so he. Um, yeah, that's part of his psychosis, too, because he also thinks that he got away with something. and He's this hero. But the police are onto him really fast. Um, he's really not, but he's inspired kind of this anarchist, uh, revolt revolt. And that makes sense for his henchmen. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Why his henchmen would follow him. Mm -hmm. So anyways, so he goes on the thing, kills that Murray guy on live TV. And that was pretty brutal. Yeah. I uh, saw it coming though. Like, oh yeah. I was like, there's no way that like, he's just gonna do the same thing we saw in the scene before. Yeah. And, so. uh, so, and he has this great speech. He's saved by Joker guys. And, um, he gets up and he dances on the hood and then it, then Martha and Thomas Wayne are murdered by a dude in a clown mask and it goes, to, and then it goes to black and then it cuts to him, um, in a in Arkham mental Asylum, ward. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, cause the woman has like, she looks older, like, yeah, a lot older. So she looks similar, but she's different. Yeah. So a part of me thinks that he actually was just taken to, um, Arkham Asylum after he did, he killed that dude on the show, and then the reverence and them chanting his name, and that some Thomas Wayne was murdered by a dude in a clown mask is all in his. He thinks that's what happened, and that's probably not what happened. So that I like to think that he is Joker, and that he at the end he just got arrested and taken to Arkham Asylum. Um, the little people chanting his name and yeah, all that stuff. But like, why is that woman? Like, is it the same person? Like, the no. same actor? No, I think it's a different person. But why would you not, like, make it a complete... Because here I am confused if it's, it seems like the same person to me. Do they just mean that person older? But, like, why not it's... make them noticeably... Like, why would the director not make them noticeably different? I think because he's fucking with you, too. Like, I, I think... I think that's part of this whole thing. And I was actually told Zach about this last night. I think it's an answer that shouldn't be... An a question should not be answered. Because everybody... After reading everybody's different interpretation of the film... um. I think that's part of its strength. And again, the Joker is not reliable. So I think he is the Joker. But just like in the comic books, he's telling you a different story. So some of this happened. Some of it didn't. The people holding him in the super high regard, I think, is part of his uh, mental state. Because he has that moment at the beginning of the film where he stands up at the Murray show and is going... I love this uh, This about you. And he's talking about how he loves his mom and people are cheering him on. I think that's just part of his mental state. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, but it also seems that maybe he killed that psychiatrist too because he's walking out and his feet are all bloody. Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. So there's there's something with this. Cool. And... It also has like a dreamlike quality when he's leaving that with his bloody feet and being chased down by the guards. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of a cartoony being chased down. You know, he's running from one side to the other. 
um, like Scooby Doo. Yeah, I just started to think that he's just like an average homicidal artist. Yeah, who in his sessions just created this persona of the Joker that Maybe. doesn't exist outside, um, but it's just what he sees himself as. Yeah, I, that works too. Yeah, I think that's why this movie is so good. And it, it's it, yeah, it's tough to recommend because he's not a good person. You're stuck with him for two hours. Yeah. Um, and it's uncomfortable and you know it's i mean it is some horror parts i mean when he walks into uh sophie that's that lady's name uh her, her apartment and he just sits down he's like i have had a really bad day and she doesn't even know why he's there and then everything's been made up and they also have this little like love note on the back of um his mom's picture where it says uh i love you and it's signed by thomas wayne did his mom write that? Is it really? Because I can also see if the, they're playing Thomas Wayne this way, that he had her committed on purpose. Um, yeah. But like, he, yeah, like he, he, he has the reach and the people to like fabricate this exactly. whole thing to get rid of um, Arthur Fleck, Fleck and his and his mom like yeah. out of their life. But um, so he could be. And I guess like in some of the comics, like lately, they have been making Thomas Wayne like this this villain mm. i think it was like the grant morrison run maybe maybe i don't remember yeah so like that that's even more messed up like like those documents that he stole from the mm-hmm. asylum like it, what if the adoption thing like all that was just created by thomas wayne's lackeys yeah. but i like to think that it's arthur fleck thinking that and or realizing that he is adopted and he's not part of you know the wayne family um yeah, because, you know, also I've never seen Alfred that way, where he's kind of this jerk. Yeah. And I think it's just his interpretation of what's happening. Because he tries to be nice to Bruce. And, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a great movie. It's It makes you ask a lot of questions. I don't know if they'll ever be answered. I don't think they should be answered. Yeah. Because I doubt Joaquin Phoenix is going to be in a Batman movie. <laughs> Maybe cool if he was, but... Yeah, but I can see why an actor as weird as him would be really attracted to this because it's just two hours of some dude's mental state. It just happens to be based on a comic book character. Yeah, and you get be get to be in a, like every scene. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think there is a scene. No, that he's not in. Yeah, I'm thinking. Really, yeah, I'm thinking really hard about it because he's. Oh man, yeah, yeah. None of the other characters are just on their own talking about him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also is that that one dude who gave him the gun, is he, did he really kill him? Because he just let that other guy go. And don't you think that other guy would run and tell the cops what he did? (laughs) I know that was, that was weird. There's, I think. Funny though. Yeah. It's his mental stuff. And, um, yeah, no, they they would shut up and that was a weird, funny laugh. So, uh, the guy he didn't kill is this little person and he locked the door behind him and he couldn't reach the deadbolt. And uh, in my theater, people were laughing, but it was that uneasy laugh. Yeah. Going, is he going to kill this guy now? And all he says is, you're always nice to me. And he let him go. Yeah. So that was sweet because yeah. he was nice to him in those early scenes. He was. And, and they I mean, people like to, I'm going to punch out scene. And <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think you should see it. That's a good movie. Uh, next week, are you guys doing El Camino? Uh, El Camino? Yeah. Or Jane Bob reboot? Is that next? It might be the week after. I think it's the week. I think it's the week after. I think it's the fifteenth. I think it's El Camino. Yeah, you're going to be at Telluride. I'll be on Telluride. So yeah, I think we're doing that. Cool. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Till next week. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.